For a good cause, so I'm so pleased I had it done. What's that? I didn't feel a thing. I didn't feel a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really proud that we're able to do that. Thank you. To okay. see that happening in my lifetime in the hospital, it's even really a positive thing. This family, my dad, I can't see. So this vaccine is a step forward to being able to go and see them again, which means the world, to be honest. COVID vaccine is is very different from any other vaccine that we would have, you know, logistic-wise and, and dealing with the actual vaccine itself. So it's just been such an exciting morning. It's been uh, the worst year of my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, my wife died in March. So it's been very bad. And this old world is a new world in a bold world for me. Yeah, it didn't even hurt. Oh, you see, there we go. <laughs> it's been an incredible effort and it's all come together for today so we can safely vaccinate our patients. How do you feel that you are now one of the first people in the country to have received the first dose of this vaccine? <laughs> one of the first people in the world. How do you feel about it? I don't think I feel about it at all, except that I hope I am not going to have the bloody bug now. It's a wonderful day, a wonderful day. Next year I'll be able to go and next year I've got two uh, great-grandchildren coming, so I'll be able to go and see them. Hey, party crashers. This is Jerry Jones. Welcome to another episode of The Uninvited. I shouldn't just say another episode of The Uninvited. I feel like this is a like a a special episode of The Uninvited. Um, however you found this, wherever you found this, I am so remarkably humbled and grateful that you did. Uh, do us a favor, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show so you, A, so you don't miss another one of these fine episodes, but B, because you, if you want to give us a rating, you can give us a five-star rating. Five-star rating feels a whole lot like love. Four stars, well, it's the friend zone. And, uh, you know, the friend zone is the friend zone. It is what it is. Um, obviously, that was the great Nina Simone feeling good. Uh, can I can I confess something to you all right now? Uh, the very first time I heard that song, I heard the Michael Buble version. Like, I'm really, really late to the game on Nina Simone. Like, I mean, I'm not 2020 late. I am just post Michael Buble late. And I have to say, then there's a whole other conversation that we probably need to have around the fact that I listened to Michael Buble and had not really listened at all to 
Nina Simone. That's a whole other conversation. That is a whole other podcast. But that is not the reason why it's special. The reason why it's special is that the beginning of the end is near. And um, what you heard, as I'm sure you you picked up from uh, from the audio, is that the first um, folks from the UK began receiving their first dose of the of the coronavirus vaccine. That the beginning of the end is near to um, to this pandemic, and what you heard were some of the voices of folks. Um, who received the vaccine, um, and I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of a remarkable moment, uh, to me in in scientific history, I'd say, you know, in the history of, of obviously vaccinations, you know, I don't know how long it took for the polio vaccine. I don't know how long it took for smallpox and all of the other, um, vaccines that we you know flu the flu vaccine um the vaccines that we just kind of take for granted the vaccines that are commonplace but here in the states we just we really didn't get exposed to what the coronavirus actually was from a at least from a from a mainstream news perspective clearly from the uh the the outgoing thank god outgoing administration we didn't really start really knowing about this until late february early march you know i was looking through um some of my team's um uh documents um and looking at when our team started our covid response work and it was mid-march it was um it was around mid-March where I told the team to start working from home. And then I think it was a, maybe a week or so after that where the company had said um, to work from home. That was a humble brag, by the way. It's been several months, by the way. I feel like it's been several months since I've done that. Since I've done a, a humble brag. But I will, I I was, I'm sure, without, I'm pretty sure I was the first member of leadership to direct their team to work from home. Um, and just because, I mean, you, you saw all the, you kind of saw all the signs and it's like, well, why would we come to work? That's just stupid. And I am grateful by the way, um, for my company, we're not going back until, uh, July, no, June, June of next year, June of next year. But, um, I got to check. Can I just indulge me? For a second, um, I'm gonna. This is not a humble brag. I, I'm more bragging on the team. Um, so, um, Kara Werner, Dana Middleton, um, are the two newest folks on our team, and they are just um, super badass. Natalie Dillon, Henry Hodis, um, Ryan Mulligan, Ryan, as you may, I mean, Ryan gets fr- frequently mentioned on this show and probably will um, today. In fact, it, it was a conversation with Ryan that earlier today that really spurred uh, the desire to, to lead this show with the voices of hope 
And and you you heard you may have heard one of the one of the voices where you know he's kind of like man this is this is like a terrible day. I mean he lost his wife back in March and getting the vaccine yesterday like he was just having a really tough time. But I'm shouting out my team, the community health team at, at my job. Uh, I work for an insurance company. Some of you may may know that. Um, at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City, and I know what you're. Th- I know, I know. You're like, how how do I um, go to work every day for an insurance company? And I go to work, and my team goes to work every day for an insurance company with the idea of building a health care organization. And I'm just I, I marvel at them uh, because they are truly um, cultivating a culture that has never existed before uh, in the organization. And that is a culture of equity. And they have been working their tails off and have just gotten to the place where it's starting to make sense for the company as to why uh, we are pursuing um, equity as a, a process right? Um, why we are leading an effort to address not only COVID testing, but um, COVID vaccinations. He, if you're here, let me just say this. Here's here's the humble brag. It's not me because I certainly didn't do it. Okay. Um, but if you're here in Kansas City, and if you have seen, so all, so here, so Kansas City, like the Pretty much the official symbol of Kansas City is the heart sign with the KC um, in the middle. And that is uh, Charlie Hustle. Shout out to Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle is a Kansas City themed um, clothing company. Basically all things KC. I'm wearing some Charlie Hustle socks right now, as a matter of fact, um, with the KC symbol on it. Um, but if you're seeing masks in Kansas City being worn with the blue mask with the red in the in, you know with the white letters Kansas City if you're seeing that if you are if you've ever been to the comeback KC website trying to find a place to get tested you have the community health team to think for that and i know it's not a lot but from a health insurance company yeah and we're going to be doing some big things in 2021. I'm super excited um, for all of their work. Um, they just kick ass. So I, I didn't mean to geek out on that. and But I just want you to know that, um, and if any of them are listening, I don't know if any of them listen to the show besides Ryan. Um, but I very much appreciate them. And the work that they're doing today, um, you might not recognize how much good it's going to do for maybe another year or so, or it could be even a couple years, but I'm just super excited for, for what they're doing. But to me, I'm lifting all of this up to say this vaccine that's coming to the United States here in just a matter of weeks, really very short weeks. um, This is a, it's not only a scientific marvel, right? I think we need to, as, and think about 
just how much the scientific community, the public health community has been driven through the coals during this whole pandemic. And through all of that, can we just, I mean, and, and a special shout out to, and I know I did it last time, but I'm just going to keep doing it. All of the public health directors, all the epidemiologists, all the folks who are doing the work, who have, who even though they're public health folks, public health is very much behind the scenes work, right? Um, the only time you normally know what public health does is when there's something like this that's happening. Something has broken down. You have a you have a, a pandemic like this. You have H one N one. You have a bullet. You, that's when we we recognize the work of public health. But public health is so much more, and the abuse that they've had to take has just been extraordinary. And the scientists who have been working on the vaccine, all this work happening behind the scenes, despite all the hell that. We, the collective we, the collective United States of America, have put our people through. And it's not just us. I mean, it's all across Europe. Despite all the hell that we've put them through, they have delivered a, a scientific marvel. But more than that, more than the science, right? It's absolutely all the technical components that has gone into not only creating the vaccine, but the distribution, all that stuff. And we're going we're gonna to start to experience that here, very soon here in the States. That is not even the actual innovation. The actual innovation is the willingness across scientific disciplines, across Languages, cultures, um, political realities, social realities and constraints, um, budgetary restraints that they chose, chose to do this together. And that, my friends, to me, of all the things that we, all the things that we take for granted when we think about science, right? The thing that we take for granted, the things that have global impact, and make no mistake about it, this is having a global impact. And I would say that all of the scientists are the people of the year. Whatever magazine, choose a magazine, Time Magazine. Um, I, I don't know. Does anyone else do a, a person of the year besides Time Magazine? And is that the only time we read Time anymore? is for that person of the year. I don't know. It just seemed like, yeah, but the, the, the person of the year are all the scientists, all the public health workers, all of the frontline medical staff, all of the first responders to me, all of the home health aides, all of the skilled nursing facility folks who are working in, in, in long-term care and residential nursing homes. All the people who are caring for people in their various capacities to me are the persons of the year. Um, we need to celebrate collaboration. That 
is the innovation. And that is hard. That is hard. If, if you think that if you think that developing the vaccine was difficult, yes, 100%. Literally the brightest minds in the world working, scientific minds, working on this, right? That is not the hardest part. The hardest part is being willing to do it together and being capable of executing together. Just in, in my small context, running a very small team, working in, you know, for me, it's a large company, but, it, you know, on the scale of things, it's a small company. We probably have like 1,300 employees. But figuring out how to collaborate with even two dozen folks within the same company is challenging. Then, you know, uh, uh, my team has been working with multiple health departments on testing and soon we'll be working on on the vaccination strategy the team is working with dozens of community-based organizations not just here in kansas city but across like a 32 county um, area in two states um we are you know we're working with vendors and we're, we're trying to collect data and analyze it we're doing all these different things and that is very difficult now imagine doing that cross countries cross languages cross cultures so this is amazing the science of it is amazing but the willingness to do hard things together that is the innovation moving forward and that my friends, is why what we're seeing in the UK is a reminder to us of just how much dysfunction we have not only allowed, but embraced in this country. You know, I've been, I've been listening to Promised Land by um, former President Obama, which... Um, you know, I get it. If you're if you're a reader, read the book. But man, um, listen to the book. Just if, if you if you if you ever get Audible, if you get Audible for any other reason, um, get Becoming by First Lady Obama, and get A Promised Land by President Obama, which de I think this chronicles the first twenty seven months of his presidency. Um. But man, the dysfunction goes back when what he's chronicling is like, you start seeing what we're seeing today with Trumpism really got, it really ignited um, during the whole Tea Party movement. And then Sarah Palin was the, was the match that really kind of set, kind of set this whole notion of bipartisanship um kind of set that ablaze and kind of kind of enshrined um a new a brand new era of identity politics um and that identity politic has consequences to the point where yesterday so think about this yesterday in the uk they were getting the first batch of vaccines Yesterday in the United States, 
we had just over 220,000 people, new people, test positive for the coronavirus. Think about that. So you all the hope that you heard in that opening segment, we had 220,000 people get COVID. In the last two weeks, that per, that percentage is up 18. It's up 18% uh, two weeks from two weeks ago. That's not good. That's not good. And so there's hope, though. The hope is that the vaccine will will come. Um, and I think I may have talked about this in the last show, but I'll, and I'll apologize, but I'll, I'll just say it again, that it's going to be um, healthcare workers getting it first. They're in group 1A. Um, and um, those who are in long-term care facilities. Uh, then it's going to go to kind of the food supply chain folks. I'm hoping that my, my friends who, who are running restaurants, not just my friends, I want more than just my friends. I, I'm talking about all folks who are working in food uh, and hospitality uh, will be in that group 1B. Uh, then it's going to go to um, individuals with chronic conditions, hard to reach populations. And then really phase three, it's is everybody that we didn't get in phases one, one A, one B, and then and then phase two. Um, that's the hope. But there's a problem. There's a problem. And the problem is there is an historic levels of distrust amongst communities of color. And I, 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 not just communities of color, I will say communities that have been minoritized. When I say minoritized, um, you may be familiar with minorities, ethnic minorities, um, black folks, indigenous people, um, um, Latinx, um, people who are uh, identify as Asian Pacific Islander, uh, people of color. Okay. Um, typically people refer to them as ethnic minorities. What I would suggest and what I would ask is that we stop using that term. I'm not a minority. My daughter's not a minority. We are of, of an ethnicity that has been minoritized through, um, through structural racism, through the practice of slavery, through the practice of uh, Jim Crow, okay? So um, that, so we are part of a minoritized community. Um, there's also high levels of distrust in marginalized communities. So a marginalized community, so where I, where I, where I sit in Kansas City, I am on um, a, a, off the street called Troost Avenue, and Troost Avenue for Kansas City is the you know the the kind of the the accepted um dividing line between the haves and the half nots between black between white um so my uh marginalized communities may also include minoritized communities however um ma marginalized communities don't only consist of minoritized communities uh, so I've talked about my team a lot. So my team 
is responsible for a 32 county area in both Kansas and Missouri. And um, so outside of Kansas City, Kansas City has roughly, I would, you know, depending on, on who you ask, at the Kansas City Metro, seven to nine counties. There's a couple counties that say, oh, yeah, we're, we're in. And we kind of accept that. But there's like 23 more counties that would definitely classify as rural counties. And so from a political perspective, of those 32 counties, there's probably four, four counties that are not Trump counties. Not trying to make this political. But of the 32 counties, there's probably four that are either not Trump counties or kind of hard or conservative, but maybe not Trump. And then the rest are hardcore Trump. And the reason why I'm saying that is despite the political leanings, marginalized communities also have an aversion to taking the vaccine. So you may have heard a lot about uh, community spread, not community spread, um, herd immunity, because we we're, we're experiencing community spread now. Herd immunity, the idea behind herd immunity is enough people get it, um, get the idea is that they got the virus, then we would have herd immunity. What we need desperately now is a herd immunity via the vaccine. We need about 75% of the population, wherever you, wherever you are, you need about 75% of your population um, to, to, to have herd, 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 I almost said herd humidity, herd immunity. Distrust amongst um, black folks and Latinx folks extraordinarily high. And that distrust is earned. Okay. So I'll put it like this. So um, there was a recent survey done by the, uh, the, the, the um, COVID COVID collaborative, um, and that's, uh, it's a NAACP, there's UNIDOS, um, and there's a couple other groups that did uh, a really in-depth survey on ideas around the vaccination. And what we're seeing right now is um, two and three folks of color, black folks, I should say, excuse me, not of color, black folks, don't trust the government. And of, of black folks, only 40%, only 40% are looking to get the vaccine. We need 75% of an entire city or region to get a vaccine. And we are talking about 40%. Um, so, um, you know, Latinx communities are polling around 60% that if, 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 if they were to make up their mind today, 60% of, of Latinx folks would, would take the vaccine. So, and here's a, I will say this, and, and this is probably a, a conversation that I will need to revisit with, with, with someone much smarter 
and someone with their with with their real handle on um, the history of of black folks and um, the American healthcare system. But um, you all may may be familiar, may have heard about the Tuskegee trials in the late 1930s, where um, you know blacks were being um, they were being tested to see how they would respond to um, syphilis. And while there was a vaccine that could have cured them, um, they were not cured. And I have to be honest when I say, I clearly, there's a legacy of distrust that starts there. Well, hey, sorry, doesn't start there. I think chattel slavery kind of started there, right? Um, and so that's cited often as the reason why people don't trust the healthcare system. Um, I disagree with that um, because, A, it's not, no one's taught that. They didn't teach, we weren't taught that in school. Uh, we weren't really taught, I wasn't taught that by my parents. I will tell you, I think more of the distrust comes from just the poor treatment that black folks get when, when we go to the doctor. Um, the data is pretty clear on um, a black person is, is more likely to get inferior care uh, from a white doctor. We are less likely to have our pain um, accurately diagnosed. We are less likely to have um, the correct medications prescribed to us or, or the, uh, the appropriate medications prescribed to us by a white doctor than we are a black doctor. Um, that also holds true for Latinx folks. I'm bringing up all of this to say that while there is hope that we are going to finally put an end to the virus, putting an end to the virus while it is going to be very difficult work, my team will not be getting much sleep between now and and probably for us, we, you know, we, we work on a quarter system. So probably between now and September 30th, very little um, in the way of rest and relaxation. So all of these, these post-vaccine dreams that I've had about being able to go to Europe and see my friends and do my, um, my Michelin star tour here in the United States, probably not going to happen um, until the fall of... Uh, of, of 2021. That being said, that's not actually the tough work. Just like I was talking about the work that the scientists did and all the technical pieces that had to be together in order for them to create the vaccine, how that was tough work, but it wasn't their, their toughest work. Their toughest work was the willingness and then the ability to do it together. In the same way, the distribution of the vaccine, um, putting all of the infrastructure in place to make sure that people get access to the vaccine, communicating about the vaccine, actually making sure people get vaccinated and recover from COVID isn't even the hard work. The hard work is once we get past COVID and we undo all the shit that has caused the disparate outcomes 
in this polling that they did, 48% of African Americans know someone who was either hospitalized or died from COVID. 52% of Latinx folks know someone who has either been hospitalized or died from COVID. I, um, my, my cousin passed away from COVID in April. I've known several people who have had it. Um, I've got two of my friends, each of whom, uh, they're married um, to each other, have, uh, have been in and out of the hospital for COVID. Um, and I, I lost a, a dear friend last week. We don't know the cause of death, um, but we suspect that she was, you know, seeing patients herself and may, may have, we don't know. We really, I, we don't know. I don't need to know. But what I'm saying is we've known a lot of death and a lot of struggle and there's no acts. It's not an accident and it's not an anomaly that, um, minoritized communities and marginalized communities, rural communities, rural white working class, Trump voting communities. There's a reason why their communities are seeing higher rates of COVID, higher rates of death by COVID than the suburbs. It comes down to money. It comes down to money. You know, I, I, I'm not a Bible scholar, but you know, the, the, the notion that the love of money is the root to all evil and the love of money is at the very root of, of, of structural racism in America. Again, future podcast on that. Um, but it's the lack of money. It's the lack of investment, um, from minoritized and marginalized communities. That's the reason why we're seeing such disparate rates of what we call adverse effects. They have people have comorbid um, conditions that once COVID enters the system, wreaks havoc um, and more likely to lead someone to the hospital, more likely to kill them. We have to undo. And that was that's the work of my team. My team didn't was not built to fight COVID. We were built to dismantle structural racism and the, the, the health effects that result from structural racism. So my team is not going to have any sleep pretty much between now and September, just fighting the virus. You know, we're going to have to take probably a, a month of just catching our breath. And then we get to the hard work. And so what I want to encourage each of you, A, when you have the opportunity to take the vaccine, I know distrust is high. Please consider taking the vaccine. By consider, I mean, please definitely take it, number one. And number two, know that the work is not done. We did a lot of reading. We did a lot of talking in the wake of the deaths of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd. That work is still there for us to do when we get past this. And so I want us to celebrate science. I want us to celebrate that help is on the way that we can begin to get a semblance of our life back. And I just want to remind 
that I know that for some of my listeners, we're going to go back to excellent lives. We're going to be taking vacations again. We're going to be going out to dinner again. We're going to do all the things. And then for a lot of us, we go back to dealing with the shit. And I just want to implore us to not forget about us who are going to be dealing with the shit when all of this is said and done. And I know you will because that's who you are. I know you're going to be right there with us. So I appreciate you. I'm going to jump off now. Go do your thing. Um, be, you know, be good to yourself. Um, be good to others. And keep up the good fight. Keep the faith. And I'm going to catch y'all on the next episode of The Uninvited. Peace. If it seems like I've been lost in, let's remember. If you think I'm feeling older and missing my younger days. Oh, then you should have known me much better. Cause my past is something that never got in my way. I would not be here now if I never had the hunger And I'm not ashamed to say the wild boys were my friends Oh, cause I never felt the desire To let music set me on fire Then I was saved, yeah That's why I'm keeping the faith Yeah, 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 keeping the faith Matador boots, only flag brothers had them with a Cuban heel Iridescent socks with the same color shirt and a tight pair of chinos Oh, I put on my shark skin jacket You know the kind with the velvet collar and bitty bob shades Oh yeah Took a fresh pack of luckies and a mint called Sensen My old man's Trojans and his old spice have the shade
weren't always good Tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems Oh, to my reasons for the whole revival Now I'm going outside to have a nice cold beer in the shade Oh, I'm gonna listen to my 45s Ain't it wonderful to be alive when the rock and roll plays Yeah, when the memory stays Oh, you know I'm keeping the faith. Oh, you know I'm keeping the faith. Oh, you know I'm keeping the faith.